Hey, Pathways, what is going on? I'm Pastor Michael, and this is the Table Talk Podcast. I hope that you guys are having an incredible week. Uh, I'm excited for this. I'm excited for the content that we're going to be covering. Uh, you know, over the past couple months, uh, we've been talking about something uh, at Pathways, and especially Pathways students, um, that I have a huge passion for, and it's it's, it's questions. I love uh, walking through the process of questioning, walking through the process of process of reaffirming our faith through the questions that we're working through. And so uh, actually this past month, Pathway students sat down and we had an entire series called Frontline based around questions where kids could ask any question uh, that they they might be wondering or they might be working through. Um, and Pastor Adam, myself, uh, a panel of our leaders would answer those those questions. Um, it was just an amazing time. And, and our thought was, why don't we just take that exact same concept and, and give it to you guys as parents, you know, allow you guys to answer and, and ask those those questions as well. And so we put some stuff out on social media and you guys showed up. Uh, we've got a ton of questions to cover over the next couple months here on Table Talk. Um, but before we get into anything, I wanted to cover a couple baseline things that we need to know as followers of Jesus when it comes to questions. Uh, the, the first thing that we need to know is this, that questions are a good thing. Um, depending on where you were raised. Uh, some of us were raised in churches where questions were a bad thing. Here's the deal. Questions are good, especially because questions drive us back to the truth, and the truth is Jesus, uh, and Jesus would, would back that up. Uh, the other th- reason I think that questions are such a good thing is because if you look at some of the heroes of the faith, you look at people uh, in our Bible, they question too. In fact, uh, Jesus in Luke twenty two forty two, he's in the garden and he's questioning the plan of God. He's saying, God, if there's any other way to do this other than me dying, l- let's do that. But if that has to happen, I, I submit myself to your will. This is a, an example of Jesus' question, or another would be John the Baptist. Uh, in fact, pretty wild. John the Baptist is the dude that baptized Jesus. Holy Spirit shows up. It's wild, okay? Uh, later on in his ministry, John the Baptist actually sends messengers from jail uh, to Jesus and said, Jesus, are you really the Messiah? See, questions are actually a good thing. And questions drive us back towards the truth that is our faith. And so here's what we're going to do. Over the next couple months here on the Table Talk podcast, we're going to step into the mess a little bit. And and we're going to answer your questions. Now, now here's the deal. Before we start anything, I want to give you a disclaimer. I may say something in the course of these podcasts that might offend you or you might not agree with. Uh, It's really important that we as followers of Jesus, uh, that we can figure out what bucket these questions fall into. Um, It's what I like to call theological triage. Now, Now, follow me for just a second. When it comes to theological issues, it's not just that everything's on the same playing field. There's tiers of theological issues. So for for example, um, the, the, let's say Jesus rising from the dead, that's at a much higher uh, importance to our faith than, let's say, uh, something along the lines of how to worship, right? Those are two very different platforms. And so uh, it's important as we answer questions that we do a little theological triage. And so uh, what we do is we basically break it down into three tiers. And as I answer these questions, I'm going to give you what tier they fall into uh, and kind of give you a picture of of where they are on the the scale of importance. Um, And and the reason this is really important is because we don't want to take things that are not crazy important to the the central theme of our faith and make them more important than they are. That's how we create division. And so um, really what I want to do is I want to give you the three categories of what I would say is theological triage, and then we'll move forward and answer questions. So uh, the first one is this right here. 
It's the first tier. These are what I would define as absolutes. Uh, these define our core beliefs as a of, of our Christian faith, right? Uh, some examples of this would look like this. Jesus rising from the dead. If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, that is like a... That is a core belief. If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, we have a we just have another religious book. Uh, that's extremely important. That's a core belief. That is something uh, that you, you need to believe if you're going to follow Jesus, right? Uh, another would be this, that we are saved by grace through faith, that it's God's grace covering our sins through a sacrifice on the cross, and it's our faith that gives us that, that grace. Um, we could take you to numerous different places in the Bible, uh, but this is one of those core beliefs that is an absolute Right. This is you can't follow Jesus and not believe that. Uh, another example would be this: that that Scripture is inerrant. That Scripture is the authoritative word of God uh, that is without mistakes, and it's the basis of every decision and every uh, moment in our in our lives. Right. So that would be that first tier. Right. Those are absolutes. Uh, when it comes to questions around absolutes, um, there is no, it's either this or that. It is this. Um, and, and then we, we go down. So the, the second thing I would say is this, it's convictions. So these aren't like core beliefs. These aren't Jesus rising from the dead, but they do have a significant impact on the health and effectiveness of the church. Um, it, another way to look at it would be this. These are things that are mentioned in the Bible but are not 100% clear exactly in how we're supposed to take action with them. Uh, these could be things like church structure. Uh, this, this could be things like how to worship, what to wear, right? That's a, a great example, right? If you look at what to wear, um, depending on how you look at the Bible, uh, the Bible does talk about modesty. It does talk about uh, purity and things like that. Uh, it doesn't say you shouldn't wear this or you should wear that. Right, so this is one of those where it's more based on convictions. How to live is another example of this. Now, th this is uh, the, the second tier of question. These are questions where you can have some back and forth. It's not an absolute, it's based on conviction. Now, there does come a point where convictions can reach into the absolutes, and then at that point in time, uh, that's when we have to say, nope, there is one answer here. Um, and then the third thing that we, we look at, the third tier, I would call them opinions. Now, what are these? These are less clear issues that generally have zero overall effect on the gospel. Um, you know, they're not things that are mentioned in the Bible, but they're applied when using the biblical worldview and, and those, those principles. Um, and, and so when we look at those, it's important that we know where these questions are going to fall into. Because here's, here's the deal. Um, absolutes are absolutes. The only... The only option other than for tier one issues is not following Jesus. Um, if you're looking at tier one issues, it's either I'm following Jesus and I'm following these authoritative absolutes or I'm not. As we go down, there becomes more variety. And it's important, I, I want to make sure that because this is a parenting podcast, I want you to, to take note of this. It's important that we when we answer questions for our kids, especially these kinds of questions, that we explain uh where they fall in importance, but also we explain the entire issue. When you get to those third tier issues, and that's what I intend to do with you guys today, uh, when you get to those third tier issues, those second tier issues, it's important as followers of Jesus that we, uh, and, and as parents, as we explain that to our kids, that we present both sides. Uh, so as the lower you get in the in the, the tiered issues, you have to begin to present both sides. Because it, what it does is it allows your, your child to see uh, what the absolutes are and what are the hills that we die on and what are the things where we're, you know what, this is, this, this is important. It still is important, 
third tier issues still can be important uh, and sometimes can reach up into the, the higher tiers. However, when it comes to these issues, uh, it's not uh, it's not this, you have to believe this exact subset of this tier three thing uh, or you don't follow Jesus. Uh, there are more than just two options as you get down to the lower tiers, right? And so uh, hopefully that makes sense to you guys, right? We have, uh, just to kind of give you a summary, we have some theological triage. Basically, number one, it's absolutes. These are the things where it's either you do this or you don't follow Jesus. Two, these are more so the health things of, uh, you know, they're, they're more important than level three, right? They're more important than those tier three things, that, but they're not, they're, they're not 100% clear, right? They're mentioned in the Bible, they're not 100% clear. And the third tier is opinions. These are things that are not mentioned, but are applied using biblical worldview and principle. So as we answer these questions, I want you to keep those three tiers in mind uh, because those are going to be important. And so as you do that and as you communicate to this this to your kids, the lower the tier gets, the more information that you want to give your kids, the more you want to uh, back up what's what's going on. And, and here's why. To give you kind of an example of why this is important as you communicate with your kids. Um, take, for example... Uh, new Earth versus Old Earth. This is a, uh, a question. This is a third tier issue that a lot of people work through. Um, now, if you explain just one side of it to your kids, and let's just say you go, I'm just going to explain the New Earth. And, and what I'm talking about here is the age of the Earth. So uh, there's some people who believe the Earth is 6,000 years old. There's some that believe it's four and a half billion years old. Uh, and these are Christians. These are people who follow Jesus. Um and as we get to those kind of lower tier issues, it's important to explain both sides to your kids. Why? Because someday your kid's going to hear about uh, science making claims about the earth. And they we don't want them to, to think that um, just because they, they hear this thing about science or about this evidence that they have to throw out their relationship with Jesus, right? Uh, and so this is why this is so important. So without any further ado, uh, we're going to get into the first question. I know that was a really long intro, but I think it's important that we understand where questions lie before we answer those questions, because I want to make sure that, number one, we don't create division, but then that, number two, that we understand the theological framework of what we believe. So with that being said, we're going to get into the first question that we have, uh, and this is a fun one. This is really, really fun. Um, th this is what the question looks like. It says this. How should we talk to our kids about dinosaurs and other things in the world that are not mentioned in the Bible? Uh, I like having a scientific yet Bible-based answer to my kids for questions for the questions my kids ask me. If I really don't know the answer, I'll tell them that they they'll have to ask God when they get to heaven. Which, by the way, that's a phenomenal response. Uh, if you ever in, are in that that position, that's a great thing that you can you can use right. Um, after, I would say, after you go ahead and try to answer the question first and try to use resources, right? So here's the deal. This is a really, really good question. And in fact, uh, it's kind of fun. I'm in a, a stage right now, I've got two toddlers. I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and they love dinosaurs. Uh, I'm pretty sure we don't own any t-shirts that, well, I, I shouldn't say that. We do have some t-shirts without dinosaurs, but the majority of our t-shirts have dinosaurs on them. Uh, the majority of our toys are dinosaur-based. Uh, we love dinosaurs at the Lee Belt household. And actually this morning, as I was taking my son Liam to a doctor's appointment, uh, we were talking in the car and I was telling him all about how uh, we're going to talk about dinosaurs on the podcast today. And his eyes lit up. He was so excited uh, to, to be able to 
hear that dad was learning about dinosaurs and talking about dinosaurs. So I'm really excited to, uh, to answer this question and to hopefully give you guys both sides. Now, here's the deal. This is a, uh, this is a third tier, right? If, if you want to ask uh, what tier does this fall into, I would say this is a third tier issue. However, and you'll find this with a lot of questions, there are certain things inside the question that could become first tier issues. So it's third tier, it could become first tier. And, and here's why. Because if I believe that there were dinosaurs in the dark on the ark or not on the ark, that doesn't affect my salvation. That's why this is a third tier thing. It, it, it's not something uh, where if you believe that dinosaurs were on the ark or not, it's not going to affect you going to heaven, right? However, here's one of the first tier issues that could come up. The, the first tier issue that could come up is the Bible's authoritative. That's without fault. Uh, so whenever, uh, whatever I believe about dinosaurs, we have to filter through the word of God, right? Uh, this is not going to be something that is uh, going to inhibit your salvation. However, this is something uh, that we have to filter through the word of God. So as Christians, uh, we have to stand on this biblical worldview and perspective and examine the evidence of the world. Uh, so what are, what's the evidence for dinosaurs, right? Uh, couple different things. Fossils, right? We have recovered tons of different fossilized dinosaurs. Uh, super cool. There there have actually been some found with soft tissue and blood on them, which is, it, it, we'll explain later, but it does explain some really interesting stuff that is happening with fossils. Um, and, and we also see that, you know, most dinosaur fossils were found in, in rocks deposited by ancient rivers uh, because rivers moved enough uh, sediment to bury fossilized remains. Uh, so really, it's, it's actually consistent with a mass flood narrative or, or scenario like we see uh, in the Bible. Um, but so we know that dinosaurs existed. We know that we, we have fossils uh, that, that prove our, our dinosaurs, right? Uh, that these, these things exist, these giant lizards. Um, that's kind of the basic evidence we have. Now, using the evidence we have, we have to look at our worldview that we have and now use it to explain and look at the evidence and explain what happens. Now, as we look at the question of dinosaurs uh, and dinosaurs in the Bible, a couple things to, to keep in mind. These are a couple truths that I would say that we can stand on from the Bible. The first thing that we need to stand on is this, especially when you explain this to your kids, God created everything in the world. Think Genesis good. Genesis 1, it, it, God says it is good. He creates everything in the world and he makes it good. So we know that anything is created, uh, whether it's a process, whether it's an animal, whether uh, it's us, it is created by God, and in the garden, before sin enters, it is considered good, right? So that's the first truth we need to see is uh, because dinosaurs existed, God created dinosaurs, right? Second thing is this right here, that death entered the world after sin. This is really important when we're discussing dinosaurs and the age of the earth in general, okay? So death, and I want to say that again to make sure that you followed it. Death, right, pain, suffering, all that stuff, only comes into the world after the fall, after the first sin. Uh, th this is something that is laid out by Romans 5.12 and a bunch of other places. It, Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death came to all people because all have sinned. See, death only enters the world after sin. This means that all animals were designed to be sustained without death in the garden, but due to the fall, we see this slow decay. Uh, in, in other words, this is the other way that you could, could look at it. There is no animal remains, and whether it be fossils, whatever the case may be, that happened before the fall of man. If you truly believe the Bible is authoritative, uh, you, you'd believe that that is 
that dinosaurs had to pass away before or after, I should say, the fall of man. It could not happen before. Um, and, and that's important in the fossil record. Now, here's the third truth. The Bible doesn't mention dinosaurs. What? I, what? No, hold up. The dinosaur doesn't mention dinosaurs, but this is because this word literally didn't exist until 1824. Uh, this would be like the Bible, uh, you know, the Bible doesn't use the word Facebook, obviously, because it was created after the Bible was written. Same is true with the word dinosaur. Uh, it, it was created in 1824 by a dude named uh, Sir Richard Owens uh, when he combined two Greek words. as dinos, uh, which means horrible and fear, fearful, uh, and previously soros, which is lizard. So the result is the word dinosaur means a terrifying lizard in Greek. Um, but that didn't come about until 1824. So we wouldn't expect to see that word in the Bible. Uh, the word dinosaur w- would not be expected to see. However... There are multiple times that the dinosaur, lizard-like creatures are mentioned uh, with the Hebrew word tenin, which is mentioned 30 times in the Old Testament, both uh, in land and on water. I mean, take a look at Job, for example. So Job 40, God is talking to Job, and he, he God describes this creature that he created to Job. And I, I want you to listen to this. It says this, take a look at behemoth, which I made, just as I made you. It eats grass like an ox. See, it's powerful loins and the muscles of its belly. Its tail is as tall as a cedar. The sinew of its thigh are tightly knit together. Its bones are like tubes of bronze. Its limbs are like bars of iron. It is a prime example of God's handiwork and only its creator can threaten it. The mountains offer it their best food where all the wild animals play and it lies under the lotus plants hidden by the reeds in the marsh. The lotus plants give it shade among the willows beside the streams. It is not disturbed by the raging river. It is not concerned when the swelling Jordan rushes around it. This is pretty incredible. Um, I actually got to read this to my son this morning, and it was fun to watch his eyes get bigger and bigger and bigger as I, I just described a dinosaur. What God is describing here, I mean, look at that. The, the tail uh, that is strong as a cedar, he's comparing a tail uh, of, of a dinosaur to a tree. This is incredible. This means that uh, God is describing these dinosaurs that he created. It's incredible. Um, and so we, we know that there are mentions. This is only one. There's 30 different mentions of uh, the, the word tenin means, it could mean dragon, it could mean a couple other things, uh, but of these kind of creatures in our Bible. So the Bible does mention dinosaurs um, and it, it, it is the infallible word of God. And so we can believe uh, in that. So really, uh, when we talk about dinosaurs, we can we can follow follow this line right here, uh, and especially as you, you tell your kids, dinosaurs did exist, right? We have fossilized records. We have all of these 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 truths that we can look at. The Bible mentions dinosaurs, so dinosaurs are mentioned in the Bible, and we know uh, that any fossil that is created must have happened after the fall. Why? Because in order for something to be fossilized, it has to die. Now, this is where uh, the issue of dinosaurs gets a little bit more muddy because uh, this is where the larger question becomes, how old is the earth, right? Because if you look at the the different opinions uh, as to the age of the earth, that'll explain um, fossilized records. It'll explain a lot of different things. So really, there's two different options. Uh, They're laid out by different people that are in the the realm of theology. Uh, The first is this, the earth is young. 
um, they, they believe that it's approximately 60-ish or 6,000-ish 6, years old. Um, th- th- this is the first option. And how they get that number is they're, they're going in and looking at the Bible and trying to add up all the timelines. And that's, uh, that's a, a number that we got uh, back in the 1800s. So that's the, 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 the number that young, young Earth people would, would hold to. Now, the other option is the old Earth. And, and this would say that uh, the Earth is 4.5 billion years old, okay? Um, so the old Earth is consistent with what scientists uh, have, have been saying about carbon dating. Now, there's a lot of resources that I can give you on that. There's no way I can go into all that. I'm not a subject matter expert on dinosaurs. Uh, as much as my kids think I am, I'm, I'm definitely not. Um, and so there's there's more that we can go into with that. But really what I want you to see is that it, it all depends on how we examine Genesis 1 and 2. So Genesis 1 and 2, the creation story, really there's two ways you can look at it. Now, the first way you can look at it is uh, in the the young earth, uh, the young earth model is that it was seven literal days of creation um, and that we can lead, we can read Genesis 1 and 2 as a, um, as a, a story that is historical record that this is the way that it happened. So that's, that's option number one, right? Option number two, uh, and this is important as we talk about third tier issues, right? That we give both sides. Option number two is this, that uh, there's this thing called day age theory. And Basically, what, what it says is that the days of creation were longer. Um, now, this could this would explain the, the fossil records that, you know, it would line up with an older Earth. It's just saying, hey, uh, the days of creation took longer uh, than, than seven actual earthly days. It was uh, a, a different time span. Um, now, if we take the Bible at its words, right, if we believe it's authoritative, it, it places a hard beginning at the Garden of Eden. Yeah, I, I, and this is where it becomes important. Remember what I said about sin and death, that all death must have happened after the fall of the earth? See, if this is true, then humans uh, had to coincide with dinosaur, dinosaurs first off. Uh, but then second off, uh, this means that there cannot be any fossilized records until after the fall of man. Um, because death enters the world through sin, through the fall of man. Now, what's the evidence of this? There's a decent amount of evidence of dinosaurs and and humans colliding. Um, If you were to look at any uh, ancient civilization, um, really anywhere across the world, they have rock carvings in South America that depict Triceratops and and Diplodocus and and, and T-Rex. There's Roman mosaics. There's Babylonian city walls that uh, talk about these creatures. I mean, all over the earth, there's different uh, stories of humans interacting with dinosaurs. So that is one thing that we can use to say, hey, there there definitely is some connection between dinosaurs and uh, and humans. That they, they there definitely was some coexist existing that that happened there. Um, another thing that you could point to is this: that on top of this, fossils have now been found that contain soft tissue. This is a huge deal. Um, and if you have a kid who's coming home and is going, hey, I'm hearing about uh, evolution, I'm hearing about this in biology, and I'm hearing about uh, the fossilized record. And I mean, even if you open up your toddler's books, it'll say millions and millions of years. Uh, if you're a young earth person um, and, and you believe the 6,000 years, this is something cool that we can point at. So uh, science has established that soft tissue, uh, right, like our skin, 
cannot survive past 10,000 years. That is kind of the limit to it. And what's really cool is in uh, in recent years, uh, there has been more and more fossils that have been found that actually contain soft tissue. This is a huge deal. This is something that points to the fact that the, these fossils were created bef- after uh, these, these scientists say uh, they were. So, you know, this does point towards a younger uh, a younger Earth, right? It does point to that 6,000-year mark that we've looked at. Um, now, there's a ton of different notes that I could go through when it comes to uh, dinosaurs. Uh, one of them that Ken Ham likes to use, and Ken Ham is from a, a place called Answers in Genesis, if you've seen the Creation Museum. Uh, he is the, the guy that, in his ministry, that created that. Um, and also, if you have kids that have love dinosaurs, that's a really good place to take them. Uh, They could get a lot of answers there. Uh, One of the things that he says is that lizards are one of the only animals that continue to grow larger throughout their entire lifespan. Uh, This is important because what's the oldest human that we we see in biblical record? Well, it's 800 plus years. So if you uh, take the fact that lizards continue to grow and you take 800 years of lifespan uh, after the fall, there is some some explanation there of how dinosaurs could have came to be or or why we don't see them today. Um, the other thing that he says is that a post-world flood would be really hard for them to survive. So obviously, th- these are all pieces of information, and I hope that I've given you uh, both sides of it, right? The reality is Bible's the Bible's pretty clear that dinosaurs did exist, um, that we have fossilized records. We have all of that that we can stand on. We do have uh, different evidence of young Earth, happening. Um, and if, if you were to look at some of the contemporary science, you could have some evidence for the old earth uh, example. Now, here's where I land as a follower of Jesus. I just land at the, the place of, I believe that the Bible is authoritative. It's the word of God. And that is, it is written on its historical record. Um, and so that's that's where I land. But here's where I want to turn here for, for just a second. Um, I think it's this is all great information. It's important. If you want more information, there's tons of information out there. You go to gotquestions.org. You go to uh, Ken Ham's website uh, at Answers in Genesis. But I think before we end here, I want to give you a answer to the question uh, for your, your kids when it comes to dinosaurs. Um, I, I want to give you the how that we approach. Now, here's the thing. For super young kids, here's what I would do. Uh, this is something I got to do with my son Liam this morning. Take them to Job 40, and, and, and if you have a dinosaur toy uh, that shows like a, a Diplodocus or something that has the long neck, right, and a long tail, uh, take that or take a, take a book and open it up, and I want you to read Job 40 to your kids and begin to see, see, look, he talks about this tail that's, it's as long as this, this trunk and this giant belly, and he talks about all these, all these cool things about this incredible creature. And I, I would encourage you to, to read them that, and, and show them that dinosaurs are not in conflict with the Bible. The Bible mentions dinosaurs. There's no conflict there. Uh, so read it to them and begin to uh, begin to work with them and, and study that. Um, and, and then, so that's that's what I would tell you for young kids. Uh, for As kids get older and begin to question, here's what I encourage you to do. As a parent, study with them. You know, study, spend time in the Bible, spend time on websites like uh, Got Questions or Answers in Genesis and begin to learn. And here's the other important thing that I would do with this question is I'd present both sides of the issue. Uh, why? Because it's important to see for kids to see why you believe what you believe. 
and this is an underappreciated thought. You should be doing this with with everything. Like we should be doing this as as parents for for everything. We should be able to present to our kids why we believe what we believe, even if it's the gospel. So I would sit down, learn and present both sides. Learn uh, the old earth, new earth, and guide them to a conclusion. Here's the goal of this question, and this is really important. We want, as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we want to ensure that our kids don't see science and Christianity as opposites. Uh, if, if you go into uh, the heart of science, you will find a ton of Christians that developed the processes uh, for science. So what we want our kids to see is that they are not opposites. So does the are there dinosaurs in the Bible? Absolutely, they're mentioned in the Bible. Um, and as you answer those questions, I'd encourage you uh, I encourage you to find those physical things that you can bring into that conversation. Bring in the, the pictures, bring in, yeah, could you imagine what this looks like? Can you believe that God created this? And, and begin to answer questions as your kid has them. Now, uh, the last thing I'll say is, if you don't know the answer, uh, and, and this applies for any question, but if you don't know the answer to a question, as you walk towards that question, I'd encourage you this, pause, take a time out, and, and, and begin to look at um, resources. It's okay as a parent to say, hey, I, I don't know the answer to that one. Can we look together? You know, I, I think that's such a, a beautiful and a healthy thing. Or, I mean, on, on top of that, say, hey, let's ask Pastor Adam next time we see him. Let's let's take it in, in the lobby. Let's go ask him. He loves that. He loves, uh, Pastor Adam loves, uh, you know, we have a, a family in our church that was asking this exact question and uh, they found him in the lobby. He loved it. How cool is it that we have uh, our kids asking questions about the Bible and dinosaurs? Uh, and so I'd encourage you, take a moment, figure that out, and then you can go back to it. Now, with, with that being said, hopefully this gives you an answer. Um, like I said, this is just barely scratching the surface. We could talk about this for hours on end, um, and, and especially if we had somebody that was a was was more informed on all of the different processes of science. However, I will say, hopefully this gives you a, a good bit of information on how to handle this question. Now, this is all the time that we have for today. Uh, so here's the deal. Over the next couple months, we're going to be answering these questions. And if you have a question, if you have something that you're working through, I'd encourage you, send me an email. It's michael at pathwayschurch.us. If you have a question you want tackled on our podcast, I would love to answer your questions and to work through them with you. Uh, with that being said, thank you for listening and we'll see you guys next month on Table Talk.